0: Well, I want to say there is no other pulpit I'd rather preach out of than this one. And if you all will forgive me this morning, I'm going to take this jacket off. I get a little warm, but I uh, went to the eye doctor and got some new glasses. <clears throat> and in the process, I have to wear an old pair of glasses. Some of you may have been through that process before, and so if you see me doing like this and a little bit of that, you uh, understand, I hope, that's what it's all about. But be that as it may, it's good to be here and uh, worship today with you and fellowship with you, Janelle and I, we're both uh, looking at the beautiful window, and uh, Just how God is so good in all of our lives. Let's pray as we begin. Our Father, before your throne we come. We give you all the adoration. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the... We give you all. Our very presence here is due to your grace. We come from all walks of life. Uh, Dare to say, there, there are some here that have been known for a long time to one another, but there are others, Father, that without your grace and mercy in bringing us to Christ, we would not know one another. And so we enjoy this sweet fellowship. We pray that you'd be honored today with your word. And Lord, that you'd move among us in a mighty way to accomplish your purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be looking this morning in the book of Proverbs. But as we do... I want to first, and here I am. I'm already started. Uh, anyway, I want to first uh, share with you a passage, uh, a little inform, information here out of 1 Kings chapter four, verse twenty nine. You can turn there if you want or not. It doesn't. It's up to you. But anyway, uh, what we read here is, and God gave Solomon wisdom, and understanding beyond measure and bredeth of mine like the sand on the seashore. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs. And his songs were a thousand and five. John MacArthur says of the book of Proverbs says the word proverb means to be like, to be like." Thus, the Proverbs is a book of comparisons between common, concrete images and life's most profound truths. Proverbs are simple, moral statements or illustrations that highlight and teach fundamental realities about life. So as we understand that, as we look at a passage here in Proverbs, it's with understanding that we should note that the Proverbs of Solomon are divine guidelines for each one of us here, and their wise observations that Solomon, who was wiser than all the wisest men in his time, observed. In our text, we see we're going to see that King Solomon imparted wisdom to his son. He says that in the beginning of of verses. And to his son he speaks, his son being King David. And he declares guidelines to straighten out all the crooked paths in life. Let's look at this text in chapter 3 of Proverbs I'm going to begin reading here in verse 1. We're going to focus on two uh, verses here, but uh, begin reading in verse 1. And as I do, as we go through this, uh, take note that there are six guidelines for restless souls that are here. So if you're a restless soul, we're only going to be looking at one this morning. But these are all guidelines for restless souls. And he begins in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all you produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son... Do not reject the discipline of the Lord, or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. As we focus on verses 5 and 6 in this passage, we see in verse 5 the admonition to trust in the Lord. To trust in the Lord. What does that mean? To trust in the Lord. Now I dare say that if I were to ask the question and expect a response from you, uh, there would be many of you that would uh, have an understanding of what That means to you. So, what does it mean, though, to trust in the Lord? Daniel Webster's dictionary in 1829 speaks of trust as a a confidence, a confidence, a reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity of. Veracity, justice, friendship, or other sound principle of another person. A confidence in that person. Resting in the mind of the mind. You're resting of the mind. Your mind is resting in that, that confidence of that person. Well, who are to trust? Who, who, are, who are we to trust in? Well, the text says Solomon says, trust in the Lord. He doesn't mention any other wise men, he doesn't mention himself to his son, but trust in the Lord. The Lord. He's the object of our trust. He is the one whom our confidence is in. He is the one that we should be resting in. He is the one that is full of integrity, veracity, justice. Our friendship is in Him. He is the creator, is He not? He's the one that has created everything that is. Everything that one could even say will be. He is the creator. And He is the sustainer of it all. And explaining that, many times I have tried to explain that by saying that God didn't just throw it out there and say, there it is. Let's see how it works. It wasn't some kind of a divine experience in creation. It was the work of God who was active and involved in it and continues to be involved in. He has sustained all of His creation. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning. And He is the eternal I Am. He's always been. Always will be. He's the incarnate Redeemer of sinners. You and I are saved. Why? Why? because of the work of God's grace in our life, because of His plan to glorify Himself in you and save you and show you mercy and love and He's redeemed you. He's the one that sits upon the throne of glory and reigns supreme over all of creation. He's the one who's coming again to gather His elect. And one day, we're all going to be in heaven for all eternity. This is who we are to trust in. There's no reason why we shouldn't trust in Him. Except our sinful motives, how are we to trust in Him? Well, the text tells us, with all our heart. All our heart. Everything about you, all that is you, you are to trust in God. Our understanding, our reasoning, is tainted by sin. Our wisdom is limited. I won't say every day, but very often I find myself learning something new in life. And it may be, well, I've already learned this, but it may be as simple as, uh, what's the phrase? Let's see, lefty. Yeah, there you go. So you guys know it. It may be something as simple as that. Maybe one. somebody here is just learning it. But the point I'm making is every day we, we we learn. We're always learning. Our wisdom is limited. It's not unlimited. We're always learning. But we have impulsive assumptions, don't we? Many times we assume this and we assume that, and our assumptions are not always based upon knowledge Sometimes they're based on experience. Sometimes they're just based upon our sinful nature and the assumptions that we might make. And we have faulty emotions. Faulty emotions. We're not always right, are we? Is anybody in here can say you're always right? We're not always right. There's times we're wrong. Well, what are we to trust God with? What does the text say? Everything. It's everything. In all your ways. Everything about you. Every way that you walk. Every path of life. Every Endeavor that you're involved in with your future, with everything. You are to trust God in all your ways. You're to acknowledge Him. To recognize His authority. Because He is God. Acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him that He alone, He alone is the sovereign God. The sovereign God. And is sovereign, He rules over everything. He is in charge of everything. He's the triune God. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's everything. Acknowledge Him. Many years ago, I was going through a a time where I had some difficult decisions to make. And I was at a state evangelism conference in Oklahoma. And Dr. R.G. Lee was preaching. R.G. Lee was once pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Adrian Rogers followed him. Some of you have maybe heard of these names. In all honesty, I can't remember who the pastor is there now, but be that as it may, Dr. Lee was preaching. I was so excited to hear him preach. I'd never heard him preach before except on, the, on a tape or something like that. This was in the, in the early 80s, so there sure wasn't internet to listen to. But anyway, and he preached on heaven. And Dr. Lee was able to paint pictures with words like no one I have ever heard preach before. But after the service, as it was custom, you've been in these services where the speaker is kind of hanging around and many people go up and shake his hand, the proverbial good sermon. And I went up and shook his hand and and uh, thanked him for the, for the good word. And I asked him to pray for me. Well, there's, there's people in the line. I asked him to pray for me and I shook his hand and, and I started to walk away. But he would not let go of my hand. And he pulled me closer to himself And I briefly told him what was going on in my life just in a sentence, probably, or two. And he looked me in the eye, gripped my hand, and he said, Son, trust God. Trust God. And it seemed like an eternity. I stood there with him gripping my hand. And then he finally let go. I walked away and he continued to speak to other people. Here we have a command that is implied. A command implied, trust in the Lord. It's a guideline, yes. It's an observation from the life of Solomon and his experiences, his life but yet it is a command to his son saying, trust in the Lord. Plainly and simply. Do you as an individual, do you recognize His authority? The Lord's authority? Do you truly recognize it? Do you truly understand? Do you... Do you accept the sovereignty of God, that God is in control of all things? I hear people tell me all the time, and I hear it all the time. Oh yeah, I believe in the sovereignty of God. Who doesn't? Yeah. Well, you start inquiring and many people just say they believe in it, but do they really believe in it? That God is the one that sits on the throne is in charge of all things, in controlling all things. He's got His hand on all things. He is sustaining all things. He's doing it all. Do you always, continually, constantly find yourself trusting in Him with everything? Acknowledging Him in all your ways. Trusting in the Lord begins how? It begins with believing in Jesus. Acknowledging that you're a sinner. Acknowledging that He is the Savior. Acknowledging that He died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for your sin. Acknowledging all of that and, and believing in Him by faith. Trusting in Him. You acknowledge that salvation is not found anywhere else. You're not going to find it on the internet. You're not going to find it... Uh, just walking around and, and learning different philosophies about the world, you're not going to find it examining other religions. The only place that you're going to find salvation is in Jesus Christ. None other. And if you're here today and you do not yet know Christ, you may know much of the Bible, you may have been and raised with the Bible as a child, and you may be able to quote scriptures. You may have won all the awards in Iran in Awana. As I, uh, I'm digressing, but I just it's in my head and I can't get it out. I saw a a mem one time of of an Awana vest buried in the kind of in the sand, and the caption was, "We have found Paul's Awana vest." <laughs> And He has all the badges. (laughs) But you may have grown up with a one, as you may know, as a child, whatever. But have you truly been saved? Have you truly repented of your sin and trusted in Christ alone? And if so, if that has taken place in your life, Trusting in Christ alone, you have become a repenter. Now some of you are old enough to remember uh, a friend of mine, he was here many years ago by the name of Jim Ellef. And Jim shared a thought that I had never really thought of, but it, it it just made all the sense in the in the world. We are we are not we not have just repented, we are repenters. We continue to repent. Repentance is a is a, a gift of God's grace that He has given us when we see sin in our lives, our response to it is to repent. And so we continue to repent. It's a lifelong response to sin and faith in Jesus. And true, true believers are lifelong repenters. They cannot continue in sin, but maybe for a season... But repentance will come if they are a true believer. Do you remember what the apostles said to the Lord? They had seen, they they couldn't do miracles like they thought they could and Jesus is explaining things to them. And anyway, in, in Luke 17, 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Here are the apostles and they're they're asking, they're walking with Jesus and ask him to increase their faith. Maybe God needs to increase your faith today. Faith in the truth. The trust in the Lord. And to acknowledge him in all your ways. Now let's look at verse five. Continuing on. And do not lean on your own understanding. What does it mean to lean? To lean is a prevailing inclination to place reliance or trust. In something, For example, I may lean on this pulpit because I trust that it ain't going to go anywhere. I had to walk with a cane for a while when I had a knee replacement. I leaned on that cane. I had to use a walker at the same time for a little while. And I leaned on it. Sometimes I'll walk through the house early in the morning, just get up, be a little lightheaded, and find myself putting my hand on the doorpost. Any of you ever do that? You trust it, it ain't going anywhere. You're leaning on it. It's an inclination, a prevailing inclination to place reliance on something. Now, over in 1 Samuel chapter 31 and 2 Samuel chapter 1, you can turn there if you like. Um in chapter 31, at the end of the chapter, upon finding out regarding King Saul's, we, here, here we have a record of King Saul's death in the conclusion of chapter 31 in the first part of uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1. Upon finding out that his sons had been killed in battle by the Philistines and being badly Wounded himself by the Philistine archers, Saul took his own sword and he fell on it. Now, first or second Samuel one says that after the battle, or toward the end of the battle, a young man reports to David on Mount Gilboa. He came across Saul. And what was Saul doing? According to this young man, he found Saul leaning on his spear. Now the point I'm trying to make here, it's not spear or sword that we're looking at the difference here. and I don't even want to get into that but the idea of leaning upon it. Paul placed a trust in leaning on that sword for one reason. The Hebrew word for leaning that's used here is the same root word that is used in Proverbs chapter 5 or chapter 3 verse 5 about leaning on our own understanding. So what we have here is see Saul, King Saul trusting his spear or his sword leaning on it by his own hand, would take his life. Solomon tells his son, do not lean on your understanding. Your own understanding. Don't be leaning on it. Now understanding here, the word understanding... as as Solomon is putting it forth, it does not refer to a sanctified reasoning. By the way, that's another phrase I learned from Jim Elliff. Sanctified reasoning. As a believer in Christ and the Holy Spirit living in you and working in you over the years, your reasoning should become more, and I think it probably is, more sanctified, more holy as you think through things and reason things out. But it's not referring to sanctified reasoning, but it doesn't matter how sanctified we become as a believer, we're still sinners. And we still maintain unsanctified reasoning. And that's what Solomon is talking about to his son King David. About his own understanding. Don't be leaning on this unsanctified reasoning. Don't be leaning upon yourself's understanding of things and problems in life. Do not do it. A command. An entreaty not to do something. Do not. Never. In any way. Under any circumstances. Do not. Cease. If you've been doing it, Cease and desist. Do not lean on your own understanding. Because leaning on your own understanding is going to cause you nothing but problems. John Stalling was born in 1938. And at the age of six, He sang at Soldier's Field in Chicago at a Gypsy Smith revival meeting. Now I know, you say, who's Gypsy Smith? Well, you'll have to look him up. Um, He started preaching at the age of 16, John Stalling. And in 1976, he published this chorus. Leaning on Jesus. Leaning on Jesus. I'm not getting it right, so I'm going to stop. Leaning to learn. We're learning to lean. See, my glasses are really giving me a time. Learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Any of you heard that chorus? Whoops. I'm back. Knocked off the little fuzzy thing learning to lean learning to lean learning i'm learning to lean on jesus finding more power than i've ever dreamed i'm learning to lean on jesus don't trust your own finite and mistaken understanding in dealing with the situations of life. Don't do it. Now you may be able to reason some things out with the help of that sanctified reasoning, with the help of Scripture, in times of prayer, But don't rely upon your own finite wisdom. Don't rely on the internet to solve your problem. Because when you do so, you hinder your relationship. With God. You hear what I'm saying? When you start leaning on your own understanding, you're hindering your relationship with God, your walk with God. You're traveling down crooked roads that will lead to unhappiness and confusion. When you lean on your own unsanctified, finite understanding of the things in life. We don't know. We can't understand why some things happen the way they do. All of us probably have kind of times in our life, maybe health situations, and we might say, well, why now? Why now? We don't understand always why these things happen, but God does. Why? He's our creator, our sustainer. He is the sovereign God. And if you turn upon turn to these wrong things and, and wrong understandings, if you lean on the wrong person, You're basically committing a spiritual suicide, are you not? Especially after today. Especially after reading what and understanding what Solomon is saying. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't do, don't lean on that. Don't lean on that understanding because it will do the same thing that a sword will do. You following that? I think it's important for us to grasp that. Your limited understanding can lead you astray. Solomon also says in verse 25 of Proverbs 16, there's a way that appears to be right, but the end leadeth to death. You all have heard that, haven't you? When you choose to direct your life according to what seems right to you, then you often reap disaster. That's what we read in Judges 21. Every culture has tried to get God to approve of its definition of right and wrong, but the truth is God never changes His standards and His standards never change. He never changes. Our culture is so screwed up. Not time to get into all of that. But some of you, I think maybe all of you know what I'm talking about. It's so screwed up. All new standards are coming into play. But God's standards have never, ever changed. Ever. And every one of you in this room, everyone outside of this room, everyone has to make a decision, as it were, whether or not they're going to live their lives according to personal preference or live their lives according to the unchanging Word of God. And sadly... Far too many are living their lives according to their own personal preference. So the question is to you are you, are you leaning daily upon God? Are you leaning daily upon Christ? Are you acknowledging Him in all your ways? Are you experiencing a wisdom that only can come from Him? A love, a guidance, a power, a peace resting in Him? He alone can provide those things to those who trust Him. Well, lastly, we see here a promise. A promise for obedience. He will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge Him. And God says, Solomon says, regarding God, He will make your path straight. He'll remove any obstacle, any barriers that hinder your spiritual and moral growth. When you trust Him, lean upon Him, acknowledge Him in all your ways, He'll enable the believer to continually progress toward a goal. A goal as as Paul spoke that his goal was to the high calling of God in in Jesus Christ. God will align the believer's thoughts, his intentions, his goals, his actions. God will align all of those things with his own purpose. And his desires will be your desires. And God will give you the desires of your heart. Many years ago, I can't even remember what year it was. Janelle will remind me real quick. Uh, maybe, I don't know, in the 80s, it was middle 80s, huh? No, no, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not going there. Let's not even go there. I became obsessed with running. And I ran a lot. And trained a lot. And I trained to run in the Cowtown Marathon in Fort Worth. Now I will tell you, that as I trained to run in that, I I knew I was never going to be the winner. There were... Far younger men, far more in shape. Far, you know what I'm saying. My whole goal was to do one thing. You know what it was? Finish. I just wanted to finish the race. I wanted to be able to say, I ran a marathon and I finished. Now I will say when I finished, there were no huge crowds at the way, at at the end. They had kind of dissipated. My wife and kids were there, but that was about it. But I finished. Despite the blisters on my feet, I'd ran 20 miles before that. And I knew I could do it. Just... 6.1 6.1 more miles and I'd be there. But it was pouring rain when we started the race. My shoes were soaking wet. Blisters were starting to develop and I had wore a new pair of shoes. It was a big mistake. And man did I have the blisters. So I changed shoes, put my old ones back on, kept on going. Got about five miles from the end and there's a phenomena that takes place where they call it hitting the wall. And when I hit the wall, it was a wall. I'd never hit the wall before. And it took everything I had to take the next step. Everything. There was no physical... Strength. There was no mental strength. And anyone that was out there saying, you can do it, go, go. I had some thoughts in my head about them. <laughs> but I finished. I did finish. And I got a little trophy that says you finish. But beloved, the world situation is so confusing. People have no sense of moral or spiritual direction. God will enable you to progress to finish. God will enable you to progress toward your goals in life. What are your desires in life? Where do you you want to be in 10 years? For some of you, where do you want to be in 30 years? What desires do you have? Where do you want to be? What are your goals for the present? To make wise decisions? Maybe it's to be debt-free and stay debt-free. Getting debt free is one thing, but staying debt free is another. Maybe it's to refresh your marriage. Because you feel like your marriage is floundering. You've been married a number of years and, and the spark isn't there like it used to be and you see that it's floundering into some kind of a emotionless, bland relationship. Maybe that's a goal of yours. Maybe it's to reach a new level of tenderness and kindness and intimacy with your spouse. Maybe it's to weaken the sins that cling so close to you that you've tried and you've repented of, but they're sins that keep rising up in you. And as soon as you think you've progressed, here come those sins again. That remaining sin that's in your life. Maybe it's to have a disciplined prayer life. You know you should pray. You know you should pray regularly. And you may start with a New Year resolution, I'm going to pray every day and I'm going to pray at this time and I'm going to get up at this time, da 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 But how quickly life comes into the picture and you miss a day here, miss a day there, and on and on and on. And the regular discipline of prayer is no longer regular. Maybe it's to have confidence to evangelize. You know you need to be telling other people about Jesus. You know you need to be going out there. You know you need to be prepared. And I'm not talking about just going and knocking on somebody's door that you don't know and have an invitation or whatever. I'm just talking about handing out a gospel track after you eat. Leave it on the table. Uh, uh, uh. I don't know, at a gas station, you see the guy next to you on the other side. You don't know him. He doesn't know you. Say something to him. Evangelizing. The confidence to do it. Maybe it's just to be quiet and slow things down in your life. That's hard for some people, isn't it? Just to be quiet and slow things down in your life. Maybe it's for regular financial sacrificial, joyful giving. I'm not talking about tithing. But joyful giving. Whether you give $10 or $100, you give it with joy. And if it's sacrificial, you give it with joy. There's no regret. Maybe it's to hold the ropes for missions. When William Carey went to India to serve as a missionary, he said, I'll go. And to his friend, he said, you get the people to hold the ropes. To support. Maybe it's just to hold the ropes for missionaries. To financially support them or to regularly pray for them. Maybe it's to write a letter. I don't know what it is. But anyway, maybe it's to be less worldly-minded and more spiritually-minded. It's so easy for us to become worldly-minded with all the temptations that are out there. More guarded about the danger of continual Internet accessibility. And if you got your head in the sand to that and think that's not a danger, you're wrong. But dare to say, almost every home in this room, maybe every home in this room, has continual internet accessibility. Whether it's in your home, on a phone, tablets, streaming things with your TV, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe it's just to finish well. To finish life well. That God would receive you into heaven. That the Lord Jesus would figuratively take you by the hand. Say, well done. You finished well. What a joy that would be, wouldn't it? to hear Jesus say, you finished well. You may have blisters. You may have sore feet. You may be completely exhausted mentally and physically. But Jesus would say, you finished. And you finished well. God will provide you guidance through difficult decisions. He'll grant you the strength to overcome challenges He knows every situation you're going to face, every pitfall pitfall that's ahead in your life, every single one. So this idea, this thought, this promise that we have here, this observation from Solomon that says he will make your path straight, It signifies the ever abiding presence of God in your life. To maneuver you through all the trials and tribulations of life, to help you to persevere, to help you with endurance. Now dividing a divine guideline as I close here. A divine guideline is, pl- is plainly and simply stated in these verses. I don't know how more simply it can be stated. There's nothing really complicated. There's no big words. There's no uh, strange meanings or anything like that. It's all very plain. A divine guideline, simply stated: You're to admonish and direct your mind towards something that needs corrected. If you've been leaning on your own understanding, it needs corrected, and you need to trust in God a hundred percent. No more leaning on your own understanding. No more trusting in yourself. Now, I do believe there is a place for getting the counsel of godly men and women and getting their counsel. And their counsel may lead you rightly. But sometimes, even though they may give you good counsel, you need to remember it's count, it's what, what is God leading you to do? How is He leading you? He calls you to lean on Him. And if you lean on Him, what we stated here, what what Solomon is stating here to his son is a profound truth that we need to grasp. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. It's a plural, paths. We walk on lots of paths in life. God leads us down lots of paths. Paths but He'll make them straight, walking with God, communing with God, resting in God's sovereign promise, His sovereign providence. So are you trusting God with all your heart? Are you? Are you not leaning on your own understanding? Are you acknowledging God in all of your ways? Let's pray. Father, before You, we have looked at this Word from Scripture, apply it to our lives, we pray. Might you be honored as your people, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, those that are here that truly know Christ, might you awaken us to the truth that is here, to trust in you. In all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I apologize.